We are in Matthew chapter 2. I was thinking about the importance of preaching uh, through the Gospels regarding the life of Christ. Well, this really is the life of Christ. This is just the beginning, His incarnation. And we talk about this word incarnation, which is such an important term, because we know that Jesus was alive for how long? How long has Jesus been alive? Eternally. Very good. So this incarnation that he, we find out in these first two chapters of Matthew and Luke means first time in flesh. So we often hear the reincarnation. They're coming back as India is a very popular reincarnation, but that's not biblical. This is biblical. The incarnation of Christ is very much biblical. He took on a human form to dwell among us, to die for us, as someone already prayed today. And so we're just thankful for he did, he did that for us. And so that's very much a part of what we believe as Christians, the incarnation of Christ. Matthew chapter 2, about verse 4 and to the 12. Matthew 2, because we've covered the first. We're actually on the back page. We're on page 3 now. That says at the top, the agitation of Herod. That's where we are. If you want to follow along, I'm going to cover this page. And as much, in as much time as I have left, I want to talk about the star. Uh, was it a star, a real star? And I think it was, personally, but we could go from there. Uh, we find in at Matthew 2, verse 3. We'll start with 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, For thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Uh, Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And they sent then he sent them to Bethlehem, not following the star per se, but they start for Bethlehem because of the prophecy from Micah 5 2. Now, what's that noise? I'm under. Now, Micah 5.2, was that, let me think, I want to ask this question correctly. Hmm. It went away. Micah 5.2, was that something that they would have drawn, could could the the wise men gone to a scroll to chapter 5, verse 2? So when did that? When did the chapter divisions come approximately? Later, okay, nine hundred A.D. Verse divisions, fifteen fifty one, as we have them today. So they, but they knew the prophecy. Isn't it interesting? Well, we got just let me read the rest of this verse. Uh, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, "Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also." When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. That's the one time we see the star going before them in some capacity. It doesn't say it even stood over their house directly. It says it stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they were coming to the house, not the manger. They saw the young child, the paden. Uh, in the Greek, with Mary's mother, and fell down and worshipped him, and opened their treasures. They presented unto him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not depart, return to Herod. Sorry, they departed into their own country another way. These wise men, hold your finger there. And I was listening to a message this week. 
And I thought, why were these wise men, how did they learn about this prophecy? Daniel, Lord, just maybe, just a little bit, maybe I'll just read it. Daniel chapter 2. Now, why were the wise men, why, how, the, how had they learned this? And we go all the way back to Daniel's dream. And we find that no one could interpret it in verse 17 of 2. And Daniel went into the house that made the thing known unto Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, a.k.a. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his companions, that they would desire mercies of God of heaven concerning the secret that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision. And what is the corollary? The wise men, their lives were saved. All the wise men, but then that what the Bible says, none of them got killed. So, in Daniel chapter 6, look at verse 4. And the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. What is not, who, what group is not there? The wise men. The, 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 so I think, uh, he said, can you not draw the corollary between the wise men who were saved by Daniel who in the book of Esther, a lot of the Jews became, a lot of the persons became Jewish because of Mordecai, etc., what God was doing. Would the wise men not have supported Daniel? I think it's very, so this, why they are here, I think we can trace it personally. All the way back to Daniel, that he had such a profound influence on the Persians. And Mr. Wilmot mentioned last week, he believed they were Persians. Likely they were. They were, they were, they were the king makers, not kings. And so they've come to worship the Messiah. So what a wonderful thing. So we saw, first of all, the arrival of the wise men. That was the first two pages, Magi, wise men. Second was the agitation of Herod. Uh, a is a differing response to Christ's birth. Now, Herod was troubled because a religious political powder keg was there. As you know, the Jews were all the time rebelling against the authorities over them. The Magi could very well have had a large contingent of soldiers. Is your first blank there, or second blank. First was response. Second is soldiers. And so Herod is agitated because of the wealth and prestige and power. They might have appeared with a large contingent. I'm thinking the wise men would, we don't know. We can't say with certainty, but I'm thinking they would have a large contingent of people supporting them. We don't know for sure, uh, but it's very possible. Herod was now C, 70 years of age, wants to maintain control. That's why Jerusalem was troubled. Herod's troubled. Jerusalem is troubled. Herod obviously then associated the king of the Jews with the Messiah. Can, we should see this. Let's see it for ourselves. Verse 4, why would I say Herod obviously associated the king of the Jews with the Messiah? What does he say in verse 4? He demanded of them where Christ, the anointed one. Remember the Beth Bethlehem town, Bethlehem town. Christ the anointed one. That's what Christ means. So Herod went from the king of the Jews, and he says he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Hmm. So we've gone from, and so when we say the word Christ, that is our messianic title for the Savior. Where the Christ should be born. And so Herod Connects the dots. Herod was no dummy. He, he was evil, but he was no dummy. And so he connects the dots here, I believe, from the text there, just reading what the text says, where Christ should be born. Question next under there, right above D. What were current expectations of the Jews? A spiritual savior? 
or a political and military deliverer. As you well know, they wanted a military deliverer. That's why they're going to, I believe, sometime in the future, sign on with the Antichrist. They're going to be guaranteed peace, and he's going to deliver them, and he would sign on with that almost any country today. If you can guarantee me peace, I'll sign on uh, with you, it would seem. D, the chief priests. We find also that verse, the chief priest, verse 4, originally one priest, high priest at a time, that was the Sadducees, New Testament times, they're more or less the corrupt, religiously oriented politicians, and scribes, primarily Pharisees, authorities on Jewish, law, Jewish law, scripture, and tradition. So he finds these groups in verse 4, chief priests and scribes, they are going to meet with him, verse 5, then we find 5 and 6. Chief priests and scribes present, represent those who are indifferent. So we have a rejection of Christ. We talked about this last time a little bit. Rejection. We have indifference. F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E. And we have in, in there. And we have worship. Okay? If you can follow those three things along there. We have three responses. We gave a percentage, approximate percentage of 60, 30, and 10. Approximate percentage. And so we have a lot of people rejecting the world. If you put the world as a whole in there, if you put like, you know, the, the whole world in there, it's, it would even skew it further, I believe, uh, to rejection, indifference. Maybe they're just, we might even put unknown. We can even put about a fourth category that have never even heard, truly heard about the Savior. So we have Herod rejects, priests and scribes are indifferent, and the Magi worships. Verse 7, then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So he, this secret meeting was to determine how old the child was, I believe, what time the star appeared. Interesting, we find the word star in 2. We have seen not only, what's the adjective there, his star in 2? What time the star appeared, and we find the star in 9, and when they saw the star, 10, in verse 10. So in those 12 verses, four times we have this word star. He wants to know what time it appeared. Why was it hypocritical? Because he actually wanted to destroy the child. How would he say that? Verse 16, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men. Do you think, verse 16, that's the only reason? That's the only reason that he killed the Christ was because he felt he was embarrassed. What do you think? You think he had a plan from the get-go? He's going to, yes, I think so. Uh, exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And so he was uh, determined to, was that historical? In the culture, was it historical to remove anybody who might have a chance to overthrow you? We have a no. Yes. In the Bible, different times, if you were going to uh, your family, you wanted to eliminate anybody who might, of that person's family. So if I took care of, of, of my son-in-law, he was going to be king, I removed him. Anybody who's associated with him, I'm going to remove him as well because I don't want him to take over for me. So it's called regicide, to kill a king, etc. And so we find there was, if the northern kingdom was especially replete with those who would be murdered and replaced and then murdered and replaced. And so Herod was just evil, period. Whether he wanted to follow the culture of that day or not, he was just plain evil. And so he takes care of the children. In verse 16, 3, we find number 3 then, we've had the arrival of the Magi. We've had the agitation of Herod, and now we have the adoration by the wise men or magi in chapter uh, 12, verse 9. 
And they had heard the king when they heard, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. The adoration. They were rejoicing with exceeding great joy in verse 10. They come unto Bethlehem and to a house, and there they are, and they worship his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So we find at number three, then, the adoration of the Magi in verse 9, uh, not an actual star since it stopped. Some would say, well, listen, we, we, we think this can't be right. So here we go. Let's get to our star. <laughs> Are there things in the Bible we just can't give a thorough, we just can't explain to the minutest detail there are things we just, just don't know. We just don't know. So here we have, we have a star. Once upon a star, twinkle, twinkle. We have an alignment, L-L-I, is that alignment? It's a lot easier to spell on paper than it is in front of people on the board. I will just tell you. Alignment, then we have, uh, we have the Shekinah, S-H- Kind of glory. I'm sure that's not right. Kind of glory of God. Glory of God. We have a UFO. UFO. We have a traveling light. Traveling light. Uh, we have. Uh, we have, and this would be here a S U P E R N O V A. So these are possibilities that people have conjectured as to what the star was. We'll get to that momentarily. Uh, now we find then that the, state, that the star goes before them to Bethlehem. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Because why? Why do you think? Why are they happy? Correct. If they had been following the star, the stars parked over Jerusalem waiting for them to say anything, do anything, and they tell, there'd not be so much rejoicing, it got old hat. But if the star had been a supernova that had burst forth, and now they've gone this far away from it, salt in the east, they traveled to Jerusalem 600 miles perhaps that far, and now, because of the way the earth has rotated, they're able to see the star again. Now they are rejoicing with exceeding great joy because the star has once again been seen. That's my personal belief why they see the star again, not having followed it as a Shekinah glory cloud or a traveling light or a UFO or something. Uh, they've not followed that. So they see the star and they are happy once again. Verse 10, they saw it, rejoiced, seen in great joy. Verse 11, and the object. I like what Charles Wesley said in his wonderful Christmas hymn, which is called, what's the name of that hymn? Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Please them within to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel, hark the herald angels sing. So that comes right from that. You should read that Christmas hymn. It's so wonderfully filled with theology. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Is that Bible? Is that Bible? That is Bible. Hail the incarnate deity. The incarnate, the, uh, the, we talk about incarnation. He is God and he is now the incarnate deity. He's not just something we can never see. He is the incarnate 
D-E-I-T-Y. So you think that Mr. Watts, Charles Wesley, sorry, Charles Wesley believed in God, that he was very God? Yes. I'm, I, he wouldn't write something like that if he did not believe. I don't, I don't think so. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Is that Bible? Pleased as man with men to dwell? Yes, he's, he's the God-man. He took on in, in Philippians chapter 2. We read it in the candlelight service. He became one of us without sin, though, to die for us. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Does that not just simply go correctly together, that he is God, I-M-M-A-N-U, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So this is a wonderful account of how God, who has always existed in the past, has now deigned to become one of us. You walk about humility, this is the supreme example of humility, that he would come into the world, take on flesh, and be killed for us. Amazing. Crucified. The object of the worship, the very bottom of page 3, of course, is the child. And what do we notice about their departure? They departed uh, another way because the Lord God had warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. We talked about that last time. Uh, God has appeared to different ones, but evidently the, the wise men were in, obviously, in, I think they were in tune with God. Well, I know I'm drawing conclusions here, but that's a conclusion I think that is supported by Scripture, if they had not wanted to worship the Messiah, why would they travel so far? If they did not looking for the, the anointed one, why would they come? And so I, why would they worship in that culture? You never worshiped a baby. You always worshiped an adult. And here, but they came and presented to the baby, the uh, young toddler, if you would, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, there is no hint of a large group here, but uh, it, it, it could have been three it could have been it could have been two there could have been two but there had to be, i think there had to be at least two wise men right plural so in the greek it's magoi it's more than one so there had to be at least two up to however many. We don't have to know that. But what we do, those who came, i believe all of them were on board with worshiping the christ as the savior. Thoughts there before we go to uh, the star Wise men still seek him. I like that. That is true. Wise men still seek him. We know that Herod, uh, anybody else, before I go on, put my stop sign up. A thought so far? We're going to go back to our star. Okay, back to the star. Uh, we find in verse 2 that we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. What was this remarkable star? If we take the Bible literally, I was just asked this week, I was tuning the piano, and one of the people there said, now, are you a pre-mill, a post-mill? Are you pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all these different things? I said, I believe in the historical, literal, grammatical interpretation of Scripture. And so I'm a pre-tribulation, pre-millennialist, etc. And they were the same. Uh, but t t this word is, is aster, A-S-T-E-R, and 24 times it's found in the Scripture. Another word is astron. What is not found in Scripture is astro, because astro was the dog of the Jetsons. So he's not in there, but aster and astron are. Did anybody else watch the Jetsons beside me? Okay. We're dating ourselves. Okay, <laughs> and ask 
Tron, plural, okay? Aster, 24 times. <laughs> now, I will, I, will, I, will give you, I will give you this, that it's not always, and it's not always specifically referring to a star in the sky. So let's look at, uh, for example, if you would, just Revelation 120. But now, typically, the context, the context is so important. I just read last night, well, here it is, right here in front of me. I just read last night, probably the most salient uh, description of the time of the minor, the, it's called the 12 in their times, a, a chapter out of Dr. Phillips's book. I was so enjoyed that. He puts everything together, why they did this, why this happened, who, what kings were who, and all the way through there. And uh, he has a great, uh, actually it is uh, John Whitcomb's, <laughs> I'm going to give it to you Wednesday, John Whitcomb's, a little demonstration of how all this fits together and what kings were what. Anyway, we, but the context, why was Joel prophesying? Why were there no prophets, why were there no prophets during, I mean, there were prophets, but why there were no writing prophets, per se, during the time of David or Solomon? Why do we find that when the kingdom splits, now God calls on men to come in and start prophesying? And so that's interesting. We'll talk about that one tonight. Let's get back to our text. We are in Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Sometimes the word star does not refer to stars in the sky. And the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in thy right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. So the word star there does not mean uh, a star in the sky, but it's clear in the context. Another clear context is 12.4, same book. Same book, 12.4. Then, now this is the... How many angels are there? And how many angels are good and how many are bad? We don't, we don't know. But we do know a basic, a basic, uh, what's the equation of good versus bad? A third. A third. Wow. We had it in one time. It's right here. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, etc. So that is the one place, I believe it's the only time, I think it says clearly that star, third, the stars of heaven. So we believe that Satan and a third of the angels followed him. And so that's why we have now evil spirits, etc. because they have followed Satan. And, but that's clear there. And sometimes, look at Jude 13. Jude 13, please. Sometimes it might even refer to human beings. Let's look at that. Jude 13, please. I have thought this always referred to a planet, but you can decide for yourself. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their shame. We should back up. What's he talking about here? Verse 11, woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Talking about false teachers. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried away of winds, trees whose fruit withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. Now we're to our verse. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. It seems like it's the same reference to the same people we've been talking about, 11, 12, and now 13, giving them metaphorical things. I've always put that there, wandering stars. Now, I just took that for Gehenna. 
So I just, I'm just going to be honest with you here. So we're just learning, we learn together. I don't know everything by any means. I found out the more I learn about the Bible, the more I don't know. So I thought that, where is the lake of fire? Where is that? Well, we know it's not going to be on the new earth, right? We can say we would agree with that because no sin can be on the new earth. So it's got to be off earth somewhere. So I have assumed it's going to be like possibly a a black hole or a wandering star, a black star where it's going to be darkness and suffering forever. So I put that, but you know, the more I think about that, the more it seems like that could be referring to the same people, right? People, wandering stars. Because to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever? So that is not a very good thing. You want to know what your destination is going to be if you uh, you reject Christ. Blackness and darkness forever. Now, what's the typical belief about hell? I remember in McGoffin County, they would often, well, I'm going to go down to hell with all my buddies and we're going to have a big time down there every day. And that that was their, that's how they would, you know, my dad would go along witness to them. That's how they would rebuff him. Well, it's not going to be that bad. And there'll be a lot of people down there I know already. And blah, blah, blah. And they would just had no concept of really what the Bible says. This right here should scare you enough. Reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So it's going to be a place of unbelievable punishment. Back to our topic of the day is the star. So sometimes the word star does not refer to uh, stars in heaven, but it's clear in context. We find another in Matthew 24. Turn over to 24. I'm watching the clock. I can watch it all day. We can keep, I can watch it all the way to 3 o'clock. There we go. Just teasing. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, 29. We find then it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. That would seem, some people believe, to be comets or meteors. If all the stars in the universe fell from heaven, we would be a little bit of living space. Now, we are going to be changed, but that's in God's time. So evidently the star's here. Again, we can't say with apodictic certainty exactly. But I don't think that all the stars, the word star means something other than the stars in the way out there. And it's amazing how far out there, by the way, they are. Uh, if you've been to the planetarium anywhere. So the context is so important. But it says back in our text, so we rewind to Matthew chapter 2. Let us rewind here. It says... Saying, where is he? Now we're saying over and over and over and over and over, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east. Seen his star. Now there is the idea that the star could be, secondly, the alignment of planets. It was Kepler, 1605. He said, well, no, there were some planets that lined up here. But now these wise men were just that. I believe they would have known because this is a regular occurrence. If it had been a comet, forgot to put it on there, comet and Cupid. And, oh, sorry, that's a, that's a different sleigh. Our comet. Perhaps it was a comet they saw. Well, no, they would have known it was a comet. It has to be something. You know, people today are, they're willing to go so far as to a localized miracle. But when it comes to a miracle that incorporates the entire world, a.k.a. the flood, Creation, 
Joshua's extra day, etc. I just, we want to find some kind of alternate explanation. Now, if it's a local miracle, we'll believe in that. But a star that would appear so bright in the sky that people 600 approximately miles away would see it and know that's the sign, how would they know? Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Balaam predicts the star for us. Let's look at that verse real quick again. Numbers 24, 17, and we'll get back on track. I know I'm just bump, jumping around here, but that's so much. There's so much wonderful things about this story. 24:17. Balaam and his fourth oracle we read it last time. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. And shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Seth, a star and a scepter. So there's going to be a king, and evidently he was predicting that there's going to be a star that is going to appear. Oh, that's a terrible star. That's a terrible one too. That's better. It's got a bottom. A star is going to appear. It's like a manger. That's a manger star. The alignment of planets. No. A comet. No. Shekinah glory. If you flip over, back on your notes, flip over, turn like this. Three, MacArthur says, can't be dogmatic if you're blank, but maybe it may have been the Shekinah glory of the Lord, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. That's possible. Uh, also, the word star there, and you see that there's alignment of planets there. One uh, bump has proposed their alignment of planets. So those are all possibilities, but I keep coming back to the fact that in four times, in one chapter, matter of fact, in 12 verses, Four times we have the word star. And when they come to Herod, well, we saw this light, some dancing lights, and we, and we sort of we said, well, I don't know about that. They wouldn't have come for that. They would have come if they had knew, they knew the... What did they know? They knew a star, looking for a star. The Messiah is going to come. Daniel's told them about that. Daniel's, the prophecy of Daniel... They looked at Micah and Bethlehem, and so they, they knew a star was coming. So when they say in verse 2, we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Now, if you're picking out a something to announce, you, uh, if you pick out something to announce, you go, you go, what did God use to announce things? Angels. What did the Hebrews, Israelites, use to announce things? They would use not trumpets. They would use different prophets would announce things. They would use heralds. Hark to herald. <laughs> herald angels. They would use heralds. Uh, I found out I was listening to somebody teaching. He said, well, there's 30 archangels in the Bible. 30 archangels in the Bible? Uh, anyway, it was a, I just, just turned that one off and went on. But we, go, but we find, so if he's going to announce crucifixion, is there something that is beyond the cross area to announce to a world that the Savior has died? Three hours of darkness in the middle of the day. That's a pretty big sign. Also, there was a what? Please, somebody, I say earthquakes, I'll stop. Just Tell him to stop. Make him stop. Earthquake. What else was there? The veil was written twain. Moses saw the light upon the mountain. 
So God can do some big things. I mean, did not the angels appear unto the shepherds in the field? First there was one, and then there was a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. I still believe they sing, but the Bible never says specifically that the angel, word angel, sang or sings, but I believe they do. But here, so why is it so far-fetched to believe that God had a special star very possibly one that fits everything, an exploding star. And we'll close with that. I know we got five minutes. Let's talk about this. Supernova. You ever heard of a supernova? Yes, we have. Supernova is, I found this one salient, I've used that word twice already, one salient thing so important. A supernova, for your information, jot, jot them down, store. A supernova explosion radiates more energy into space at its peak than all the stars in our own galaxy combined. Now that is a star. Wow. So is it possible that the supernova, and then they would, and as you well know, may not know, but they would burn out eventually, not be, how bright, you think about how bright it'd have to be the millions of light years is away, perhaps in the, could it not even be in a different galaxy? We don't know, but it's a supernova fits the bill. It, it, would, it meets the qualifications. Now, some quotes here before we close. Ignatius said, now Ignatius died in 107 AD, one of the closest writers to the New Testament time. He said, quoting, it was a star which so shone in heaven beyond all the stars, its newness caused excitement. The Christian astronomer Maunder, for 50 years superintendent of the Solar Department of Royal Greenwich Observatory, came to the conclusion that such a star, called in his day a new star, temporary star, was the only logical explanation for the star of Bethlehem. He devoted an entire chapter to it in his book he wrote in 1908. In an extra-biblical writing called the Proto-Evangelium of James, quotes the wise men. Now remember, this is historical value. It's not part of the canon, but it still can have historical value. He quotes the wise men as saying to Herod, the wise men say, quoting, We saw how an indescribably great star shone among these stars and dimmed them so that they no longer shone. And so we knew that a king was born for Israel. Now, is that possible? Yes, if a supernova can outshine all the stars in our galaxy when it's at its brightest, it could have been millions and millions, but yeah, billions of light years. It's amazing how many stars there are. We, we just, it just, it just, doesn't God boggle your mind how great he is? He's so great and I'm so small. If I'll just, if we'll just keep that in mind that he, yet he loves us. Isn't that amazing? It is. There's a lot, isn't there? Sand, yes, I, I agree with that. that, that uh, very possibly, the number of stars and the sands of the sea, all the seashores are similar and the same amount of number. Uh, and James Mullaney in 1976, Science Digest said, the considered opinion of nearly all who have studied the question is that a nova or supernova seems the most likely explanation for the Christmas star of all those put forth to date. He said, truly, there is a celestial announcement card above all others worthy of the birth of a king. 
So, it, so and when they come in and they worship, I like this last little thing here. There's an ancient story, which could possibly be true, he says, Morse, that as the wise men entered Bethlehem, they saw the star's reflection in the water at the bottom of a well, and this was how they knew the star was actually vertically over the village. The story was cited again by the astronomer Maunder. The biblical account does not say the star stood above the actual house, of course, but it would be easy enough to find out from the townspeople where the babe was. But the townspeople was, that town obviously was not large. When they finally saw him, they fell down and worshipped him, and so should we. So I can't, this is, this is my best guess from what I've read. It may not be right, but I'm t- the word star, I think, the word star in this case means a star. I can't explain to you exactly how all the things fit together, and you may not agree with that, but what we can agree on is that Christ was born, and he came to die for us. Amazing love, how can it be? Let's worship him this year. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your account of your birth. We thank you for coming to the world for us. May we worship you and serve you in 24, even more than 23, as you give us opportunities. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.